People buy houses every day. No big deal to the bank. But buying my first home? That was a big deal to me. That's why I got my mortgage from DCU. They were with me every step of the way. I was able to get a great rate, and they'll service my loan for as long as I have it. Plus, they let me manage my mortgage online, anytime. My mortgage from DCU was the first step, and now, I'm home. What will DCU mean to you? Insured by NCUA, NMLS number 466914, equal housing lender, membership required. Visit dcu.org. Worcester Culture Watch, a podcast connecting you with the local culture scene in Worcester. Arts, entertainment, music, and more. Worcester Culture Watch, from the Worcester Telegram and Gazette. Hello, you are listening to Worcester Culture Watch on WorcesterMag.com and Telegram.com and Unity Radio 97.9 FM, the voice of parts of Worcester. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Victor. (laughs) They're going to get so mad at me one of these days. Was that a commentary on their reach? (laughs) I think it might have been, actually. Uh, I mean, their audience. I love them so much. But you know, you know, the, the, but yeah, the, the signal is growing. Part of the reason I stay on <laughs> Unity Radio is because they have a sense of humor and can tolerate me, <laughs> which is something. Hi, my name is Victor Infante. I'm the entertainment editor at the Worcester Telegram and Gazette and content editor at Worcester Magazine. I am joined in the studio today by host of another show you might hear on Unity Radio every now and again, Sarah Connell Sanders. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm great, and thank you for hooking that up. Our show, Pop It, now airs on 97.9 on Wednesdays as well. And Victor, you made the connection. Thanks. Yes, I did. I was like so happy, like... Because it came up and I'm, it came up in conversation, and I'm like, no, you know, like I think this would go back. It'd be a good time to go back to it, and it, it did. So I and it's been working. I actually really, I, we're already off track. <laughs> <laughs> we're already off track. What I really like about Unity Radio ninety seven point nine FM is that when I turn it on, I'm not hearing something predictable. I'm I'm hearing you know somebody talking about meditation early in the morning, or I'm talking hearing a you know kind of raucous conversation about hockey, or I'm talking listening to kids from inner city schools just talking about their lives, and it's a really really cool station. And I know I joke about its audience, and I joke about the signal reach, and I actually really really am happy to be on it. So uh, that's my sentimental moment. Yes, the Bill Shaner in me, where he's always like, the real people of Worcester. The real and I'm people like, who are these real people? Who's more real than me? <laughs> but um, on Unity Radio, I often feel that way, where I, I'm hearing the real people it's of Worcester. It's true. It's true. And, it, and the real people of Worcester are a little weird. <laughs> That's how we like them. <laughs> and we're including ourselves in that, aren't we? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So the reason we have dragged Sarah into the studio today is Sarah and I have stories that in strange ways kind of mirror each other in today's Worcester Magazine. Um, I went ice skating. Um, I was not very good at oh, ice skating. No. That can be good for you. It's true. I like doing things that, that I, I actually like writing about things where I am totally out of my depth. <laughs> entirely out of my depth um you speaking of depths 
you did something you were not out of your depth in, but you still had an interesting story about swimming. Yeah, I had taken a long hiatus. I swam all through middle and high school, and I was very successful. I got recruited to a Division One program, and when you swim D1 in college, it becomes a job. Yeah. And it was so much fun. You know, when I was in high school, this was, I was a big fish in a small pond, for lack of a better metaphor. Yeah. Massachusetts is a very small state, and it so is. I was tip top of my game. And then I went to college and people were from big states like California and New York. And um, I had to work very, very hard and it stopped being so enjoyable. I can imagine. (laughs) And, you know, I'm from Southern California and I went to high school there. And like my high school had as PE electives, water polo and surfing. Wow. So you were literally (laughs) kids were getting up at, you know, out at the beach at six o'clock with like a I guess they, I think they had a faculty, I hope they had a faculty advisor out there, but at 6 a.m., you know, Dawn Patrol surfing and then coming to class, they would have done this anyways. <laughs> right. Well, um, and that's what people said. It was like youth soccer. You know, everyone swam, everyone played water polo. Yeah. So, and, you know, we had a water polo team that was, you know, amazing, but there were better water polo teams in the area because everybody did it. You know, <laughs> it was, but yeah, it's like if you grew up in the ocean, yeah. That's a different matter than if you grow up in Worcester, Massachusetts. No, I wouldn't give the experience back for the world. No. And like being second or third in a whole bunch of events is also important. And this is something is. I tell my students at Burncoat Middle School. It's okay to not be the best at something and to be the number two person that can support the team. Okay, I've come to terms with my second place <laughs> finish at the Nempo Awards. Yeah, that was for you. <laughs> But I got back in the pool because I went to interview Coach Don Lemieux, who is my swim yes. coach at Greenwood Swim Club when I was growing up in Central Mass. And he's always such an inspiration. And we trained at Quinsigamond Community College. The pool was always having malfunctions. It was always freezing. You know, we went mm. through a lot, a lot swimming in that pool every day, but we showed up. And that's so important. Now I walk onto this pool deck of WPI and I'm like, what is this palace done? This is so unfair. We never had a chance to swim here. And he's like, life isn't fair, you know? (laughs) And he said, why aren't you swimming anymore? You were so talented and what a gift. Why aren't you in the pool every day? And I was like, I'm too old for that now, Don. And he's like, there's a master's team here. I'll introduce you to the coach. So he talked me into it. Mm -hmm. I've been to two practices so far and I'm starting to remember what I loved. And, and and it's different when you are doing it for because you love it, you know, as opposed to because you have to. Yes, it so is a true. totally totally different thing. And you know, this is a thing I struggle with as a writer sometimes because mm-hmm. you know, if I wasn't doing this, um, you know, working for Worcester Magazine, working for the Telegram and Gazette, I would still be writing because that's what I've always done. I've done that longer and more than anything else I've ever done in my life, um, and. The thing, it's like, I get, sometimes, I do get frustrated. I do get frustrated that this takes time and attention away from me writing poetry and fiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 so I completely feel that. I really completely feel that. that uh, It's, you know, you, you, the road takes you where the road takes you. <laughs> I agree. But sometimes, you know, sometimes um, 
Yeah, you know, you, it's nice to find your way back to something because you love it. My ultimate goal is to someday write a YA novel, and I am a middle school librarian, so that would be right oh, in my it wheelhouse. Totally should. Besides, that's the only thing that sells anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I think of writing for Worcester Magazine often as like a workout. You know, like I'm getting stronger and I'm building endurance, and so someday I'll be able to tackle that big project full on. Any career in journalism is an exercise <laughs> in endurance. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I remembered certain things like I didn't know what mindfulness was when I was 15 or oh, even yeah. 20, you know, swimming. And um, now everyone has a lifestyle blog like Gwyneth Paltrow telling us all about how important it is to be present in the moment. Swimming is one of those sports where you have to be present. There's nothing to distract mm-hmm. you. You focus on your pain and your brain is like calculating all of these sets and intervals and you're doing splits in your head. And I'm not used to doing that sort of work either intellectually anymore because I rely on my phone so heavily. Oh, yeah. So I had a hard time. I was leading the lane at the last practice and I was like supposed to know, you know, what time we would leave on the clock for each set. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, what's 20 minus 30 plus five? I'm doing all this fast math in my head. It was really good for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and mindfulness and being in the moment, I just, you know, I'm a terrible surfer. Mm-hmm. I am no good at surfing. <laughs> I, I could stay on the board for maybe three seconds. <laughs> I've tried, but, um, and that, that was when I was young, um, but I really do always get that ability. You have to just be in that moment. And I find that so amazingly peaceful. Mm-hmm. I really do. And I got it a bit with body surfing, which I could do. But but, um, <laughs> but yeah. How about skating? Was your mind racing? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So like backtrack a little bit here. So I get an email from a very nice man, Cam McGuire, one of the publicist people at the railers Mm -hmm. and you know i hear from cam all the time we post his video on our facebook feed and stuff he's a nice guy and it's basically you know it's telling me about if we want to write something about this program where they bring in kids from local schools and teach them how to skate you know a lot of these kids you know they're from worcester a lot of them have never been on skates before in their lives and i think it's a great idea but yeah it's not a womag story you know what i'm saying and so I just sent an email to the editors of the Telegram and said, hey, I'm not doing anything with this, but I think somebody should. And I know they, I guess they usually do a photo of it. They go in and take some pictures and, you know, do a little story or just a complete and cut or something, whatever. And the executive editor, uh, Dave Norman, who's um, the big boss at both papers, um, comes over to my office and he's like, you know what would be great? If we find a reporter who's never skated before, or hasn't skated in like 20 years and we have them you know, go skating and learn with the kids. And I'm like, I'm going to voice this on Bill Shaner. <laughs> I just would love to see him interact with little ones too. <laughs> but the funny thing is, Bill can actually ice skate. Oh, I see. So, so I didn't even tell Bill what was up. I, I messaged him on Facebook, said, hey, can you skate? And he emails me back. Yeah, I used to play uh, play hockey in junior high, and I can still skate. Uh, you know? No like, go. We need uh, an amateur. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the California guy. Absolute horror. <laughs> oh my god, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I last skated. I want to say it was 1989. <laughs> I think um, I was at Model UN in New York. I'm yeah from Southern California, and. Uh, my friend Dana really wanted to go skating at Rockefeller Center. She can skate. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sure. I'll go with you. 
I have no idea how to skate. And I told her, I'm friend. I'm like, it's fine. It's, you know, sure. And, you know, I went down and she skated around me and caught up with me every few laps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I tried to get somewhere. Um, I could barely move on the whole thing, but it was a good time. It was a good time. And then, you know, we went off and went back to MUN and, you know, did that. And I represented Iran. And evidently I was better at that than I was at skating. <laughs> Um, that is definitely something I should put on my journalism. Oh, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, and that was that was it. Mm-hmm. That was my oh, I have tried ice skating once, and it was not. I was not good at it. Check the box. Check the box. <laughs> I have moved on. So I'm like, how hard this can this be? <laughs> I go into you know, so I come down. I talk to the you know PR people, and you know, there's a lot of val- volunteers and communications people from Fallon Health. Their CEOs there. And um, they're, they've been a sponsor of this thing for three, the, the entire three-year program. And there's a bunch of fourth-grade kids from Vernon Hill School. I used to live in Vernon Hill. You know, so I'm like, okay. That's cool. Me that's too, my... when I was real little, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, that's the first, when I moved back here in the, the 2002, that was the first place I lived. Um, but yeah, I love that neighborhood. I love those kids. And it's like, okay, sure, whatever. It's like... And I, so I sit down and I try to put on skates and I stand, I'm like, yeah, sure. I know how to tie my shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't break an ankle. <laughs> I am so glad. I, it's like, you know, it's like kind of embarrassing when you've got the CEO of the railers <laughs> helping you tie your shoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. That's, that's part of the experience here. Exactly. We're really going to jump in. You know, it's like I said in the story, you know, pride goeth before a fall. And in this case, it's literal. <laughs> um, I threw pride out the window. Like I, I went in knowing I was going to throw pride out the window because otherwise somebody could get hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's hard. Ice skating is hard. I look at, you know, I look out on the comment and I see people skating around and they're having fun. And it's like, it's like yeah, and it's, you know, it's like they make it look so easy and it is not. And I do not know how it's like I I I don't know if it's that I'm old and out of shape. Um, <laughs> Did you make some little friends to help you? Um, the kids really didn't want to deal too much. <laughs> they were having their own things, and I was kind of content to let them back. So You're I was just mostly like hanging onto the wall. <laughs> yeah, I'm just hanging onto the wall. Mostly, I was dealing with the volunteers and the hockey players and stuff, and. You know, it's a thrill for the kids because they're, you know, the hockey players are out there. And, you know, a lot of them have actually been to games. Sure. Yeah. You know, they bring the class in or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's, but yeah, I am not very good at skating, as it <laughs> oh, turns no. out. Um, and I have now proven this. Um, everybody's like, hey, the next time, you know, the Railers organization, they're like, next time you want to come back, you know, just let us know. And I'm like, I think I'm good. Thank you. Well, I guess I kind of had the opposite experience. I think I've been really down on myself for the last decade thinking like, you thought you were such an amazing swimmer. And then you realized, you know, you're good, but there are people that are much more talented than you, right? Or that work much harder than you. And I let all of the, um, the accomplishments sort Mm. of seep out. And I realize now, like, I'm probably never going to get a best time again, but that's okay. You don't have to. Now you can and just do it for you. Getting back in, yeah, it felt really, really good. I got home and I said to my husband, I haven't never, I haven't felt this great in years. And I was like, it's like the opposite of going out really late and, like, drinking at the bars and dancing with your friends, where at the time you're just, like, totally on top of the world. And then the next day it's torture and you're like, why uh, did I do that? Oh, yes. This is, like, while you're working really hard and swimming really hard, you're like, oh, why am I doing this? This is torture. And then afterward, you feel so amazing. 
amazing. It's and, invigorating. Indeed. And what I, I think the, the I think the thing that really kind of connected these two stories, there's always weird little themes that emerge in every issue of Womack, and I don't know why it happens, but it happens. I don't plan it, but it, it, <laughs> it happens. And one of the things I the the connections was there's there's all of these cool little little things in Worcester that you can do. You can go you can go ice skating in Worcester. I I mean we talk about this big rink and we talk about the railers and all of this, but there's several days a week you can just go ice skating and they have classes. Mm-hmm. You can't you can give it a shot. Yeah, you, I was shocked to find out that like after I had complained, you know, I never had a pool like this. <laughs> Don said, well, it's open seven days a week. And yeah, you can come and drop in. It's $10 to drop in for a practice with the Worcester Area Masters, which is fairly inexpensive. And if you commit to doing monthly, then it becomes much, much less expensive. If you're a member of WPI's gym, it becomes even less expensive. And I realized, like, this is totally approachable for me. I can go once and decide whether or not I want to do this again. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are, I think people get themselves overwhelmed. it's like, I, well, there's nothing to do in Worcester. I don't want to go out and do that. And, you know, skating is funny because, you know, we have the rink on the common. Mm-hmm. But I think there's no real classes there. You can, there are at the ice rink, at the um, Worcester ice rink, the Fidelity Bank ice, Worcester ice rink thing. So someone will teach you, yeah. Yeah, you know, there are, the, there are classes you can do that. I'm sure there are classes for adults too there. I don't know. I'm assuming. <laughs> there are adult swim classes too through WAM. The, the swimming team actually was facilitating them. And I was really surprised to see that. So it's accessible to everybody. Yeah, it's like not everything is, you know, is going out to see a th- expensive play or a you know go out to see a band which can get late and the restaurants which I love of, but but yeah. e- there's more in Worcester than there, just there are little yeah. things and yeah. I think those uh, those it's those little things that make it very livable it's talking myself into it that's the first step and once and you do is. it once you realize like oh that wasn't that big of a deal right you know in your mind it's this big ordeal to like oh I gotta dig out my goggles and my cap and my bathing suit and then I have to show up at 7 p.m. and and then I did it one time and I was like I could do this every week. Yeah, there you go. And I did it one time and I decided I, I can't do this ever again. <laughs> <laughs> but you log that in your Worcester experience. I did. And, yeah. I did. You know, and there are things, you know, it's like I, I like we were talking earlier about experiential journalism where I really it is a thing I'm fond of where I go do something and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done everything from from playing Dungeons and Dragons because I, I wanted to see if you could play Dungeons and Dragons and a, a whole game of Dungeons and Dragons in one day with people that have never played before or haven't played in years. It turns out you can. <laughs> um, I got a lot of help with the from Hasbro with the new fifth, then new fifth edition, whatever. Um, I've done escape rooms and laser tag and virtual realities, shoot 'em ups at Marlboro and the Apex. And there's there's a lot of things you can do. And I like doing those sorts of stories because they tell readers, hey, I can do these things too. There's this something here that is kind of marvelous. Yes. Well, you paid me a beautiful compliment last time I was here. You said your column always lends a sense of discovery. Yes. And I really liked that. And that's helped me to shape what I should be writing about. I'll go, wow, I came across this thing this week. How can I connect it to Worcester? Or how can I open up a new experience of discovery for someone else? And I love that. I, I do love that about your writing. And it's one of my, it's a, a, a paper like Worcester Magazine, that's what it should be doing. You know, somebody should be able to dive in there and 
discover something new, something they can do, something they can be involved with, something that's kind of magic. Yeah. And I think that's cool. All right. I think that wraps up our first half. Thank you for joining us once again, Sarah. Thank you. We're going to take a brief break, but this is Maria versus Machine Maria from the new album by Sapling.
And we're back. You have been listening to Maria versus Machine Maria by Sapling. That's off their new CD, No Sequoia. You can um, read about that in this week's Worcester Magazine. Speaking of this week's Worcester Magazine, we have an unprecedented turn of events where here in the studio at the same time are both of Worcester Magazine's reporters, Richard Duckett and Bill Shaner. Hello. 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 We gave the mic to Richard for obvious reasons. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm sorry. Okay. Anyways, um, no. Um, we um, obviously we had Sarah Connell who has left the studio er- earlier in the program, and I figured both of you guys have stories I really kind of want to talk about. So, mm-hmm. figured we'll try an experiment here in our world in our tiny podcast booth. Uh, first off, on the cover, Richard, you have a story about a young man who is, if you'll pardon the pun. On the rise. Yes, uh, John Haynes Honeycutt, um, who's already been called uh, Worcester's very own Renaissance man, although he's only 24. (laughs) Um, He um, has made a mark in the city in a number of ways. Um, He uh, has Honeycutt One Productions, which seeks to provide um, uh, creative people in Worcester with outlets um, to entities that could um, broadcast or publish their work. Um, hmm. he's, he's run for city council uh, last fall. Um, Against dist- Matt Wally. Dis- District 5. Um, first time, didn't do too badly, but he didn't, w- he didn't win. But um, he, he was he, very uh, gracious about it, though, he, in the story, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, he left his calling card and uh, said the better man won. Um, so um, I think he's an example also of um, a lot of uh, young people, um, if I can call them that, um, from a dif- more different vantage point, um, who are very optimistic about the city. Um, his uh, friend Michael Skurzek is an actor who um, um, had to travel uh, around the country to get acting jobs, but now he's come back to Worcester to work with John Haynes Honeycutt um, on his um, on a couple of uh, projects that, that that could well be movies or um, or TV works, and uh, they look at Worcester as a as a blank canvas that's ready to be um, um, filled up with with various creative outlets. So. Yeah, it's a further example. I mean, we've talked about this before, of course, but uh, there is a lot of optimism in Worcester these days, which is in marked contrast to what what I can remember from about a decade or so ago. Or with sometimes on our other parts of this podcast. (laughs) um, But all serious, serious, it's funny because I I meant to make a note of it. Um, Mr. Honeycutt was... um, posting on Facebook about about your story and, you know, thanking you and the Telegram and Worcester Magazine and everybody. And um, he's made an insinuation that Rise might have been optioned by another co- film company or such. So I don't know what that, what the deal is. He was very cryptic. Well, yeah. Well, when I talked to him, he didn't mention that. So I think so, I had a feeling um, this was the first mention of it. So, so clearly, it just illustrates the point, though, that he is clearly somebody who is, who is, focused and moving forward and i kind of admire the entrepreneurial spirit a lot of artists don't have that yeah i think when i spoke to him the uh, rise was going to be put out by his own um honeycut one production some um, you know via via outlets such as amazon so that was the yeah. way it was when uh when I talk to him, um, and a lot of people, of course, do that these days. Um, yeah. So um, I think he was ta- he was talking on Facebook about an adaptation of it. So. I see. I see. Well, no, I don't know anything about that. I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, but um, 
So, yeah, he's doing a lot of things, and um, as I say, it's part of um, what people consider to be a renaissance in Worcester itself, and how that plays out, of course, remains to be seen. But um, I do know also that the the Black Box Theatre downtown is going to be opening up soon now. I mean, it's not quite ready, but uh, they're going to have... an opening ceremony for the for the uh, Jane, Jean McDonough complex, which includes uh, the Worcester pop up, most of Twenty Franklin Street, actually, where we used to work. And, I know, uh, and uh, and and the Black Box Theatre, which I think is going to be called the Brick Box Theatre. Um, not quite ready yet, but but you know, I'm looking forward to doing a tour of it when it is ready. So. I think that would be a big, uh, big uh, development for downtown Worcester when that opens. Definitely, and I think you know, bringing bringing it back to Jonathan here, um, I and I I think about John Haynes. John Haynes, excuse me. Um, when I I think about him, and I think about um, people like what was this guy in your story, Dre from Worcester? Dre from the Woo, right? Dre from the Woo, that's right. And all of these neighborhood kids who are talented like immensely talented and entrepreneurial and have this just incredible drive and i could probably name 20 more off the top of my head especially in music if i wanted to but as i think when we're talking worcester renaissance those are the kids those are the young people to really be keeping an eye on because they're the ones that are going to keep worcester as much of worcester as they can not the big corporations not the not the governmental organizations or whatever, not the luxury apartments, whatever. So they're, they're, I put, I personally, I put a lot of hope into these, into these kids. And, you know, uh, maybe, not, maybe my old heart isn't quite as cynical as it used to be. But anyways, um, anything else really quick before we move on to another subject coming up on the arts world horizon that we should be aware of? Well, I've got, got a lot of good stories coming up, so stay tuned. Actually, and also look, keep um, a look at in our calendar... And um, what we'll do is um, uh, what I want to – there's a lot of Black History Month events still on the horizon. So, you know, take a look in um, Worcester Magazine's calendar and we'll uh, – and there's a lot to check out. Um, Bill, really quick, while we've got a few minutes, you have a story that is making a stir online – and for once, it is not wisteria. I am terrifying the masses with reckless fear-mongering about hybrid coyotes and wolves, <laughs> which may or may not exist in Worcester. No, uh, so I interviewed Colin Novick from the Greater Worcester Land Trust, uh, and he, he, um, he and others have seen coyotes lately in Worcester that are bigger than dogs. Yeah. Like not the little runty coyotes that you might think of in your imagination, but big coyotes that travel in packs. Turns out there are these things called eastern coyotes or coy wolves, which is a much cooler name in my opinion. Cool. Coy wolves is cool like murder cats is cool. Exactly. Coy wolves really adds an <laughs> element here that uh, that is missing when you just say eastern coyote. It's true. Uh, so, so I talked to Colin about coy wolves and um, very interesting that you immediately, when, when, when people are posting a lot about seeing coyotes and big coyotes everywhere, you, you kind of start to think that it's like a, 
it's like a, a trend, like that they're 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 getting more into urban areas. But uh, according to Colin, they've been here for like decades. They're just so good at not being seen by humans that sightings are rare. But now rare sightings are captured via cell phones and posted mm. and shared in like towny Facebook groups more than they ever have been. And it creates sort of like an artificial sense that this is a new problem. Whereas the only new problem is that we've been we've been able to better document it. Yeah, no, Colin was saying in the story, he's been watching this for like seven years now. Yeah, he had a very funny anecdote of uh, out with his daughter at the bus stop uh, in front of their house, and he sees a coyote, and after his daughter gets on the bus, he follows the coyote's tracks for half a day. And (laughs) going, weaving through people's yards, their backyards, right out in broad daylight, uh, through like sort of like the underbrush. And that's that's how they just they they go without being seen. They hunt deer, uh, and they hunt your small cats and dogs, if you put them at a position where they can be hunted. So uh, that's really all. They're this, not going to ever the, attack a human. No, uh, they're very afraid of humans. So there's nothing to be worried about. Um, and from Colin's perspective, it, uh, it which I'm sympathetic to. They're just an apex predator because we don't hunt anymore. Mm. And they're just a new apex predator because it is needed. If if you let the deer run rampant, which they have been lately, uh, then you get more ticks and uh, less healthy forest. And and more chance of things like Lyme disease. Yes. And, and with ticks comes disease. disease. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, no, it's funny because, you know, we, were, we noted in the story that this was the second largest deer haul on record right. last year, last yeah. hunting season. And the year the record was just the year before, right? And it was just kind of the weather go- weather that made the difference between the two. Yeah, and yet there are the the number of permits being put out for the past decade on is pretty static. Right, they're not cha- you know there's not more hunters out there. No, there's just more deer. And, and it's interesting. It's like Massachusetts isn't a place that has like a a big hunting culture. No, uh, but a lot of deer. But and yeah, they don't have that many places to go. If you think about the, you know, just the development around here, there's not a whole lot. There's less and less places where they can go. So I think for the people who do hunt, and they do know where to go. They're finding a lot more deer there. Yeah, I think that that might be part of the thing. And that's and it's, it's funny because this was the was the year where the most the first year I believe I could be wrong about this where most of the kills were with bow and arrow hunting. Right. Right. So I, I am learning about this very, very quickly. Yeah. My wife um, made a T-shirt for last year for the Greater Worcester Land Trust that has the logo Keep Worcester Wild on it. Yeah. And I think this is actually kind of one of my <laughs> things. My wife designed that shirt. But it was um, – I like koi wolves and coyotes, and I like when that moose and bears are around at least – close enough that we can feel right. that we are still part of nature. Yeah. One uh one thing that is unique about Worcester in that way is that we are not immediately and this is something that I actually didn't make it into the story, but Colin was explaining to me is that we're not surrounded entirely by a ring of suburbs. Right. The uh the north part of Worcester, like pretty much from the Cascades on, is just like a belt of rural like actually rural uh un, untamed wildlife now a lot of that all the, is land. all the way down from up from Wachusett, the reservoir system all the way down and a lot of that is land that the greater worcester land trust right. preserves so in that area is Conserves. really where the where the wild like where the where the where the woods of northern 
North County and New Hampshire all descend and come down in like a little triangle formation. Then Worcester West Side is like the is like the first stop. That's where the moose come through. Yeah, that's, that's why we right. keep seeing the moose in 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 Grove Street Cemetery. Yes, exactly, because that's exactly where they're coming in. So. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's I I. I as long as everybody is out, people aren't hurt, and as long as the animals are okay, I actually am okay with this. Yeah, I think that um, <laughs> maybe think that puts me in the minority. No, I know. I, well, so part of the reason for writing this story is to to kind of like put a, more of like a human, to, like these are these are animals that aren't going to hurt you, and they're cool, and they aren't something that we should be creating a registry or a database to track and we shouldn't be hunting and killing them. Yeah. Uh, I think, I uh, think that they are just, it's cool that there is, uh, an apex predator in Worcester. There and, we are. And, and it's, it's not cool us. That they're hunting them down. So, all right. I think that about wraps up another edition of Worcester culture watch. As always, our music was composed by DJ manipulator. We'll be back again next week. Thanks. Bye.